Welcome to the Early Career Moves Podcast, the career strategy podcast for BIPOC folks in their 20s and 30s trying to figure out their next career move. I'm your host, Priscilla Weninger Bolcha, Latinx career coach, former talent recruiter, and human capital management consultant. Each Friday, I'll share an actionable tip to help you on your career change journey so that you can job search with confidence, land amazing job offers, and get on with your life. Let's get started. Hey everyone, how's it going? Welcome back to the show. I hope you're doing well, taking care of yourself. Things are good on my end. I wanted to create this bonus special episode for my audience to help anyone who might be currently experiencing an unexpected job loss, an unexpected layoff. Right now, it's early November 2022, and we're starting to see massive layoffs take place, particularly in the tech industry. And so there's a huge influx of very talented people that have been recently laid off in the marketplace, and a lot of it has to do with concerns and worries around an upcoming recession, economic recession. So I thought it would be the right time for me to release an episode to support you if this is happening to you right now. This episode is a little bit different in that it's not just career strategy or support. There are going to be aspects that I'm going to cover in terms of finances and emotional well-being, what I would call emotional and mental well-being, because really all of these aspects, you know, your finances, your emotional, mental well-being and career are going to be important for you to take care of as you move forward in this process. I ask that you please don't skip over the emotional mindset well-being part because you really need to have your full self on board to help you problem solve and you know figure out what's next for you. I ask that you please send this episode over to anyone that you know who is experiencing a sudden job loss, someone who can really benefit from just like hearing through a game plan strategy for how to move forward. I want to preface in this episode before I get started that I personally have never experienced a layoff or a sudden job loss. So the advice that I've assembled for you is not based on personal experience. It's based on careful research that I've done and conversations that I've had with friends, with people who I care about who have gone through this process and what I've learned from them. And so this is really just the game plan that I've created should I have to go through this myself, okay? And so if you're like, I don't want to hear from you because of that, totally fine. I just wanted to be very transparent about that. This is the game plan that I would follow as someone who is thinking a lot about career strategy and the job market. Okay, so I'm going to start with the first part of the game plan, which has to do with emotional and mental well-being. So the most important thing that I would do first is I would make sure to take time to process my emotions and allow myself to feel all of the feelings and name those feelings for myself. So one thing that I like to talk to people about is the Sarah model, Sarah as an S-A-R-A, and the Sarah model is an acronym. So S is for shock, A for anger, 
R for resistance and A for acceptance. And this model is typically used actually in 360 feedback sessions with people like to help them process feedback, critical feedback that they have received from someone at work. But it also applies in this case. And this typically tends to be the emotional journey that people go on when something like a layoff happens, right? There's a first phase, which is shock. Our initial response may be shock, denial of what's happening, especially if what we're hearing is completely unexpected or is against what our views. And so when you're experiencing shock, you might be thinking things like, this can't be right. I don't understand this. That's typically like the first place where we land is is like that shock. It's important for you to label those feelings without judgment to help regulate your emotions. Emotions are really, I just think of them as little messengers, like they're little messengers that tell you what you're thinking and they come and go like waves. And so the idea is to ride the wave of the emotion as opposed to like creating a dam to stop the wave. um, And you're just like building up all this pressure internally because you're not allowing the emotions to flow. Emotions are meant to flow in our body and they're really valuable for us because they are indicators of how safe, stable, and secure we feel. And so if we use them wisely, we can assess what's happening in our current situation, how it's affecting us, and and allow us to make the necessary shifts needed to, to problem solve. So it's really important to work with your emotions as opposed to against them and trying to suppress those emotions, okay? So after shock takes hold, shock can quickly turn to anger for some people. It can also be anxiety. So I think when I think of the second A in Sarah, it can either be anger or anxiety based on your personality. So during the anger stage, people say things like, I mean, who decided this? This is messed up. You might feel anger towards the leadership of the company or the organization, and that's completely normal. There may be a period of resistance as well. That's the next one R. Change is, of course, difficult. It's very hard for our brain to process it. And so resistance is something along the lines of like, I get it, but I still don't like it. It shouldn't have worked out this way. Like you're still kind of like resisting what happened. And then the final step of the model is acceptance. And as we process, you know, what's happened, we finally come to a point of acceptance, which honestly leaves us at a higher place than where we started. Um, When we finally start to accept what is, like what is, what has happened, you're going to see that you're going to start to ask better questions like, what can I do next? Like, what should I be looking into next? When you're finally at acceptance, you're able to be a stronger problem solver that's more clear-headed. The other thing I want to mention is like, Even though this is my first step in the process, like process your emotions, this isn't the kind of thing where you just like do it once, check it off the list and move on as much as we would love for it to to be that way. Like I said, emotions are waves. They come and go. Be prepared to continue to process these emotions for days, weeks, or even longer, even months. I just want you to sort of have that expectation that it's not like, okay, I'm just going to process my emotions and move forward. This is something that you're going to want to be aware of, 
label, manage, make time for, potentially even on a daily basis, especially at the beginning. When something like losing your job unexpectedly happens, it's really important to understand how the brain processes something like that happening. And so a lot of you who have listened to my work in the past, you've heard me talk a lot about the animal brain or the lower brain, and then the higher brain or the prefrontal cortex brain. So there's two parts of your brain. There's the animal part that is all about survival. It's all about just making sure that you're safe and you're comfortable and you're not expending too much energy. And then there's the part of our brain that as humans we've developed, which is the prefrontal cortex, and that's the higher logical reasoning part of our brain that is able to problem solve and is able to think about long-term planning, whereas, like I said, animal brain is all about survival. And so the truth is that during this whole process, your lower brain, your animal brain is going to be ringing the alarm, and it's going to be ringing the alarm all day, every day. And so you want to expect that because of course it's doing that. Of course it's trying to get you to act, right? Like literally that part of your brain thinks that you're in physical danger and that you're going to die. Like actually it thinks that you're going to die. You end up becoming flooded with emotions of fear and panic because it's in survival mode, in fight or flight mode. And I'm not saying this to devalue or diminish like, what it is to be in survival mode or to be, for example, in a financially precarious situation. I'm just trying to show you that there is a part of your brain that truly does think that it's going to physically die. So what you want to do being aware of this is you want to try to turn down the volume a little bit with the animal brain. And to do this, you need to take the time to process those emotions that I just mentioned, like the fear, the anger, the anxiety. And I would recommend that You make space for this first thing in the morning or right before going to bed, trying to find some time alone to process those emotions in privacy and in silence to basically allow room for that. It's it's almost like letting some air out of the balloon, right? Let the emotions flow a little bit. Let's be there with them and let's use some compassion to normalize this for ourselves. It's almost like that part of our brain is a toddler and that toddler comes into the room crying and saying like, X person stole my toy and they're crying and crying and crying. What you have to do is actually sit with the child, with the toddler, hug the the toddler and say, you know, like, I get it. Like, I get why you're scared. I get why you're angry. Like, you have to have that self-compassion and normalize what's happening before you're able to access the part of your brain, the higher brain that's able to say, okay, Now, what do we do next? Like the only way to get to that place is by taking the time to listen to that inner toddler inside of you that is angry and, you know, rightfully so. There's nothing wrong with that. The other thing you're going to want to do is to create a set of intentional thoughts that you want to think on purpose on an ongoing basis that will generate calm and patience for you or any feeling that is helpful for you to move forward. Your animal brain is going to want to dominate during this time. It's going to get really loud. So you want to balance it out a little bit and give equal air time to more rational long-term thoughts. A few examples are things like, I'm going to figure this out. This storm will pass. I've done hard things before. Um, You want to choose thoughts that you actually 
believe, this is really key. You want to choose thoughts that you actually believe and you can feel it in your body that you believe it because those are the only thoughts that actually help you lower the temperature in your emotions. So you don't want to choose thoughts that you don't believe or are out of reach for you right now because that actually has the opposite effect and is often referred to as toxic positivity. Like I am not advocating toxic positivity. Toxic positivity are like positive thoughts that you don't believe basically and are just not helpful. Like they're not helpful. And so make sure to be aware of those and stay away from thoughts that are just like completely ridiculous to you right now. Like you're probably not going to go to like, everything is fine. And this was meant to be. And you know, like that's just like super not helpful. And so you instead want to choose a more neutral Sometimes a more data-driven thought that's looking at the facts of like, you know, recessions are cyclical. This is part of being a human being and having a human experience and working in the labor markets, right? So you have to figure out what those thoughts are. Like, you don't even have to create a ton of them, just a couple to keep you going, like, Put them on a post-it note, put it on your desk. Like you need to turn up the volume a little bit on the rational part of your brain because the the animal part of your brain is going to want to run the show. And that's the part of your brain that blocks problem solving. When you're in survival mode, you're not able to solve problems in a calm and, and rational way. Okay, so now I'm moving on to the second part of the game plan, which has to do with evaluating your finances and your financial runway. So what you're going to want to do is sit down with yourself. And if you share finances or your home with a partner, then you also want to sit down with them as well and have a discussion about your finances. So first, you want to figure out if there's any supplemental income that you might qualify for within your state. So there's a big difference between being laid off and being fired. And so you need to understand that distinction to help you determine whether you'll qualify for unemployment benefits in your state. If you were let go because of the recession or downsizing and that company is not looking to replace the people that they've let go, then you likely qualify for more types of financial assistance And you'll likely be eligible for things like severance pay as well. Like some people are fortunate enough to get severance pay for three months. It just depends. And it also depends on the state that you live in. So you definitely want to look up online, like what do you qualify for? What are your state's requirements? And begin the process to file for unemployment if you qualify for that. You also want to understand if you've lost your job-based health insurance coverage, what your health insurance coverage options are. The sad reality of living in the U.S. is that our health insurance is tied to employment. And this means that when you lose a job, not only have you lost, you know, your monthly paycheck to cover your bills, but you're likely also losing your health care coverage. And it means that if you're involved in a traumatic accident, you may be responsible for 100% of those costs out of pocket, which can leave you in a very dire financial situation. And in some states, you could even face a financial penalty if you don't have health insurance. So you definitely want to avoid not having health insurance for a very long time, having that gap persist for too long, if at all possible. For example, if you're married or if you have a partner and and they do have a job and they do have job-based health insurance, 
the easiest thing that that and the cheapest thing is for you to get on their plan. And typically employers do allow people to enroll their partners, even if it's outside of that enrollment window period when catastrophic things happen. And so they do make those exceptions. In some cases, you may continue to have health insurance coverage through your prior employer until the end of the month. In other cases, your former employer may continue to cover you only until the last day of employment or sometimes even until the end of the month or the year. It really just varies from company to company. And so you need to to look at that and see where you live. When you leave your prior employer, they should also give you a letter that specifies exactly how long you have health care or health coverage. Under the Affordable Care Act, which is known as Obamacare, you should also be eligible for a special enrollment period. What this means is that you do not need to wait until the annual enrollment period to find a health plan on the marketplace. For the special enrollment period, you need to have a what it's called a qualifying event, one of which is losing your job. And so all you have to do is go online, answer a few questions, and you should be allowed to purchase a health insurance plan on the marketplace during that special enrollment period. You also have the option typically of COBRA coverage. COBRA stands for the Consolidated Omnibus Budget Reconciliation Act, which basically requires employers with 20 or more workers to give their employees the choice to continue their health care coverage for up to 18 months after their position has ended. It typically covers you, your spouse, any dependents who were on the health plan. Rules do vary by state, so check with your company's HR department. And you generally have at least 60 days to enroll in COBRA coverage. Coverage starts on the date that you get notice of that coverage or the date that your current coverage ends, whichever comes first. If you decide not to enroll and later change your mind, you can still sign up as long as you're still in that 60-day time frame. So that's something good to know. Though I will say though, unfortunately, like costs can be very high under COBRA. It's typically meant to fill a gap in coverage until you find a long-term health insurance option. Okay, so that's all I'll say about health insurance. There's a lot for you to, to look up online. Okay, so moving on, you want to do a financial assessment where you review your current debt and financial standings. So that might include car payments, your credit cards, mortgage, student loans, any private loans at all. And I want to recognize that like that's overwhelming. It's overwhelming to sit down and look at everything that you owe, especially if you're adding it up for the first time or you haven't really been looking at that. But you know, seeing everything together can help you make a plan and you want to start tracking those debts, like that those debt obligations. What are you responsible for on a monthly basis and create a spreadsheet or even a piece of paper to write down what it is that you owe on a monthly basis. For each of those items, those debt items, you want to include the name of the lender, the total balance, the minimum payment required and the due date. And so you want to remember to make, you know, note of any bills that need to be paid in full and you want to make sure that you're staying in good standing with minimum payments. Even one late payment if it's past like a 30-day mark, can cost you as much as 100 points on your FICO credit score. So when you lose a job, I know that it's overwhelming, but like your minimum payments, like you want to make sure that you're able to at least make those and continue to make those on time. 
knowing how much you owe and when the bills are due can be a step towards reducing negative impacts on your credit in the future, right? Like you don't want something that's already challenging to create even more damage for you later. A quick note on student loans, you may be eligible for deferment or forbearance of your loans and calling your lender may lead to lower payments. So a deferment allows you to temporarily stop making student loan payments. Federal student loans offer deferment and you'll need to check with private loan providers if they offer deferment in times of unemployment. With federal loans, you're eligible for deferment while you're unemployed or unable to find full-time employment for up to three years. A forbearance allows you to temporarily reduce the amount that you pay on your student loans. Unlike deferment, you are responsible for paying the interest that accrues on your federal student loans during forbearance. Another note on credit cards is the good news is that many credit card companies have programs designed to help customers experiencing financial hardship. And so if you lose your job and can't pay your bill, you should reach out to your credit card company as soon as possible. They may be able to work with you if you're concerned about missing an upcoming payment. Once you have a handle on understanding your debt obligations, you then want to look at how can you creatively lower your expenses. So this means cutting out, canceling subscriptions for anything that's a nice to have, right? If you have a massage subscription, if you have a gym subscription, if you tend to order food from a food delivery app pretty often, you know, you want to delete that app. It's really worth looking actually at all of your monthly subscriptions and make sure to cancel the ones that are not essential to your day-to-day life. And just remember that this is temporary. It will come back. This is a temporary chapter, but you do want to reduce those expenses. If you are able, let's say, to add a roommate to your housing situation, maybe look into doing that or moving in with someone. Maybe if your parent has an extra bedroom, it might be time to potentially move in with your parents temporarily. All of this is temporary in nature, but you do want to attack those expenses and make sure to reduce them as much as possible without you know, being super miserable, of course. Like, for example, I would probably not cancel Netflix. I would still be watching Netflix, right? So you want to be realistic about what you can actually cut out. So that wraps up the discussion on minimizing expenses and understanding your debt obligations. But now I want to talk a little bit more about cash inflow, because obviously when you lose a job, that's the biggest thing that you lose is there is no more cash coming in. And this is when we have to talk about, you know, A, do you have an emergency fund? Do you have access to cash that, you know, either from your savings or even there are times that people do tap into their retirement to supplement them for a temporary short period of time? Only you can evaluate if that's something that makes sense for you or not. Typically, I don't recommend touching your retirement savings, but if you are in a very extreme situation, that's something that you might need to look into. But that is when you want to look at, you know, A, do you have money somewhere? that you can tap into, how long would that money last you? How long would you want to dip into that money based on your expenses and your minimum debt obligations? How many months? What is the timeline and the runway that you would have before that money dries up? And do you want to get to that point? So you kind of have to look at that. And if you don't have access to an emergency fund or savings, or you don't have a family member who can temporarily loan you some money, anything like that, then you need to really prioritize making cash, like figuring out ways to generate 
cash quickly. And so I have some ideas for you in that vein. So some short-term cash options include selling valuable things that you own on Facebook Marketplace, trading in electronics for cash, working as a freelancer on a site like Fiverr if you have skills such as being a virtual assistant, a website designer, a podcast editor. There's lots of different kinds of freelance jobs that people do on Fiverr. That's F-I-V-E-R-R. You could be a babysitter. You could be a nanny. You could be a substitute teacher. Substitute teachers, especially with degrees, can get paid up to $100 a day. And as you probably know, there's a shortage of substitute teachers and teachers, period. Uh, You could do food delivery services like with DoorDash or Uber Eats. You could drive Lyft or Uber. You could be a pet sitter or walker. You could become a home organizer. Assist with deliveries. Like if you're strong, you could work for a moving company. You can sell things on Etsy. You could list a spare bedroom on Airbnb. You could rent out your car to people. You could sign up for TaskRabbit to do things for people. For example, wedding coordinating, moving, cleaning, delivery. You could find work as a house sitter. You could find seasonal work in retail, for example. Those are just a few options that you have for short-term cash generation. It's also worth just thinking through recession-proof industries to consider in general. So I'm going to list those out for you. Healthcare, IT, utility workers, federal government, public safety professionals, teachers, like I mentioned, there's a big teacher shortage, pharmacists, technicians, auto mechanics, car transportation, social workers, insurance providers. So these are some, you know, recession proof, although truly no industry is is truly recession proof. It's not like there's like never any risk. There's always a risk. But these are generally industries that tend to fare better than other ones during a recession. These are just some examples of possibilities and options. And it's important for your brain to see that there are still ways to make money to generate cash even during hard times. So now is the right time for me to transition over to the last part of this episode. And thanks for bearing with me. This is a longer episode than my traditional episodes, but it's because I really want to give you like the actual game plan and how I would think about surviving a job loss that I wasn't expecting. So the first section of this was emotional mental mindset, which is really important to keep you going through this journey. The second piece is the financial planning and how to make it so that you financially survive this. And these cash generation ideas that I just gave you are really meant to support you temporarily during this gap that you weren't expecting. And so, you know, as you know, I'm a career coach. I help people make career changes, but I help people make career changes over a long period of time. I work with clients for six months and typically the clients that come to me are already employed. So they're typically already employed and they're not looking to get a new job tomorrow. They're looking to make a strategic career change that often involves um, changing industry, changing the function, and those changes tend to take a longer, uh, a longer time. 
And so those are not changes that you can make overnight or in one week or in a month. So I've talked about this before, but the average job search takes six to nine months. Like that is average, meaning there's lots of examples of people who get their next job in less than six months. And there's plenty of people where it takes them a year. And on episode 58 of my podcast, I talk about the career triad and how the kind of career change that you're trying to make in your next move dictates how long it's going to take for you to make this move. And so if you are looking for your next role, you've been recently laid off unexpectedly, the fastest and easiest career change that you will make will be one where you're only changing the company, duh, because you just left your company and you're keeping everything else the same. You're keeping the same type of role, the same industry. That is what you want to try to target because it is the easiest kind of change to make. I dive very deeply into this on episode 58. So go to that next if you're like, I want to understand more what she means by the kind of career change I make dictates how long it's going to take to make that move. That is really important. So definitely take a look at that. If you got laid off from the tech industry and tech in general as an industry is struggling, you might look at only changing your industry and keeping the same kind of role. So if you've been in a marketing role and an HR role, you're going to have more luck looking for HR marketing roles, doing things that you've already done before, prioritizing job postings that include responsibilities, tasks that you've already done before, already have evidence that you have done before. That is where you will be able to make the fastest possible career change versus trying something completely new and different. I also recommend that you do take some time to choose your top three career non-negotiables. I discussed this last week in episode 69 um, about like how to choose your top three career non-negotiables, your requirements. This is really important, right? Like just because you got laid off doesn't mean you have to now just choose anything that comes your way. There is an opportunity for reflection. There is an opportunity for you to say, you know what? This part of my job actually wasn't working for me very well. Or like this part of my job wasn't actually a fit. Some of you might even be feeling some relief. And so that's a really interesting emotion to examine if it's coming up for you. Because if you are relieved about something being over, it's kind of worth looking into why is that, right? And like, how do you want to now plan for this next role? What's going to be important to you in this next role? And be really clear with you about that. So check out episode 69 for, for more of that. And then of course, you got to set up your LinkedIn page and update your latest LinkedIn page and your resume. On episode 59, I go into how to get started with LinkedIn for your job search. And I go over the basics that you absolutely have to do. You have to be on LinkedIn. That is a requirement. And you want to really highlight your top skills and make sure that they are prominently shown on your LinkedIn page and that you're updating your latest resume. There are plenty of resume writers that you can look up on Fiverr, for example, if you just want someone to do a quick pass at your resume. I actually have a really good um, referral for resume exclusive work 
Courageous Leaps, Timka um, Lockhart. I'm going to link her information in the show notes for this episode because she exclusively does resume turnarounds, whereas I do longer term work with people. So look into that. Like sometimes investing a little bit and just getting your resume in top shape is going to help you feel more confident and help you have success. But you do need to know what's the role that you're targeting and make sure that your resume and your LinkedIn page has keywords that are related to the role that you're targeting so that you show up when recruiters are looking for people with your background and that also LinkedIn is suggesting opportunities to you that are aligned with your background as well. On episode 59, I get very specific about what that looks like for your job search. And then the last thing I'll say here is activate your network. You got to let your friends, family, LinkedIn network, everyone know what's happened and without any shame and without any embarrassment. Um, This is something very normal that is happening to thousands of people right now, okay? There's actually a little bit of comfort in the fact that you're not alone in this and there are lots of other people looking for work and there are also a lot of employed people that are eager to help people like you who are talented and looking for their next role. So you can't expect to get help if you don't let people know that you need help. And this might be one of the biggest obstacles that you might face depending on your personality is, you know, being willing to ask for help, being willing to go on LinkedIn and add the the little green banner where you're like looking for work or open for work. There's nothing wrong with turning that on and letting people know that there have been some cuts made and that your role was impacted. It has nothing to do with your worth, your value, and it's going to really help you to try to depersonalize what's happened. And people are very understanding of that right now, especially right now. So don't be afraid to let people know the kinds of roles that you're interested in. The more specific that you are about what you're looking for, the better people are able to help you. And I recommend literally posting on LinkedIn, letting people know that you're open for roles. I also recommend emailing close friends and maybe past colleagues, letting them know that you're looking for work. This is a time where you want to be willing to open yourself up to more opportunities. And you can't do that when you stay quiet, when you hide, when you avoid. And so watch if you're doing that because that only slows down the process of helping you find your next role and your next opportunity. When you're activating your network, I also suggest that you set up informational chats with people who are willing to talk to you from companies that are currently hiring. It's important for you to get a sense of, you know, what are the companies that are hiring during this time? What are the roles that are open? And prioritizing networking with those people, those companies, and not being afraid to ask to set up an informational chat. And Episodes 64, 65, 66 on this podcast are everything you need to know. It's like a crash course on how to do informational chats. And, you know, that is the most highly effective strategy to get your next role. It is much better than submitting a bunch of job applications. Next week, I'm going to release a podcast episode about why submitting a bunch of job applications is like the worst thing you could ever do, especially right now when there are so many people 
that are suddenly being poured into the talent marketplace, it's like an overload of way too many people who are going to be submitting applications online. It almost negates anyone's application because it's probably not going to be looked at. And when that happens, this is the most important time. It's the most critical time for you to be connecting human to human, having real conversations with people in your network and getting over your stuff, your mental drama about doing so. So definitely go to those episodes if you are wanting to get a crash course on informational chats. It is the most effective thing to help you get your next role. Okay, so that is all I have for you today. That is the game plan that I have for you if you are experiencing a sudden job loss, unexpected job loss. Unfortunately, this is just a reality right now and I hope that this has been helpful to you. Please send it to anyone going through this right now. And the last thing I'll say is that if you are interested in doing a more strategic career change that will take a little bit longer because maybe you're looking to change your in industry, your kind of role, you're looking to make a pretty big change, then set up a consult call with me. In the show notes, you'll find the link to set up a time to talk with me during the months of November, December. We can start working together in January. I help people make intentional career changes to help them make more money, achieve their personal goals, and just move on with their lives. Like that's truly what I help people do. And yeah, let's talk. Let's get on the call and figure out if my program is a fit for you. Have a wonderful rest of your day and talk to you later. Thank you so much for listening today. Make sure you head over to ecmpodcast.com slash free course and sign up for my free job search training course. I teach you the three things that you need to know before you go into a job search process. My goal is to help you change careers with confidence and ease so you can move on with your life. I'll see you next week.